Welcome. I'm so glad you're with us today. Today is the Feast of Christ the King. Before we get into uh, this word about the Feast of Christ the King, I would like to take a few moments and let us read the Gospel account once again. It's St. John's Gospel, chapter 18, starting with verse 33. Then Pilate entered the Praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You are rightly, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we ask you today to grant us your grace to be able to hear your word and understand a little bit better about this feast day of Christ the King. Open our ears to hear what you would say by your Spirit. And may God grant us the wisdom to discover the right, the will to choose it, and the strength to make it endure. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, today is the Feast of Christ the King. On the church calendar, there are many holy days, days of special observance, and days of holy obligation. These days are given so that we will stop our daily affairs and look at what the gospel teaches just like birthdays and the natural and anniversaries and other special events that we have in our lives, so these holy days cause us to stop and have a time of reflection. So today I want us to just take a few moments and let's look at this feast day called Christ the King and glean from it and understand its meaning a little bit better so we can know how to apply it in our lives. The first thing that you and I need to do is look at the history of this day called Christ the King. This day was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1925. It was originally celebrated on the last Sunday of October to foster the awareness of Christ's dominion over all people, and to establish peace among the nations. Now, again, this was started in 1925. This is just a few years after the Great War, the war that you and I uh, know 
so well called World War One, at that time was called the Great War. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people had been slaughtered on the battlefields across Europe. There had been division among the nations, and there was chaos still. During this time, we see Mussolini arising. We see that Germany is unstable. And Pope Pius the 11th wanted to be able to see and divert people's attention away from all of the all of the uncertainties uh, the fighting and the things of that nature and bring them over to understand that Christ has dominion over all people and establish peace among the nations he saw this as a great thing for us to understand that the atheism and modernism could be conquered. And so it was instituted. After Vatican II, the feast was transferred to the last Sunday of the liturgical year, the Sunday before Advent. So let me be one of the first to tell you, Happy New Year as we move this week, next Sunday, will be the beginning of the Christian New Year as we begin to celebrate Advent. What a better way to kind of cap off the church year with this feast day of declaring Christ as King over all. This feast celebrates Christ's kingship. It fosters recognition of Christ's kingly rights over the minds and the hearts and the will of human beings so that they will be able to overcome contemporary secularism and atheism. I want you to listen closely to this quote that I want to read to you. Jesus was anointed by the Father with the oil of gladness as the eternal priest and universal king. As priest, he offered his life on the altar of the cross and redeemed the human race by his one perfect sacrifice of peace. As king, he claims dominion over all of creation, that he may present to the Almighty Father a kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice, love, and peace. What an awesome statement that is. I want us to just kind of break that apart today so we can understand a little bit better as we celebrate this day. This says that Jesus is anointed by the Father, <clears throat> excuse me, with the oil of gladness as the eternal priest and the universal king. First of all, Jesus is anointed as the priest. I want us to look at Hebrews chapter 5 today. And we're going to start with verse 5. Listen to these words out of Hebrews. The writer says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, You are my son today. I have begotten you. 
And he also said in another place, You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. If you will remember, Melchizedek was the priest in Genesis that Abraham took a tithe and an offering of bread and wine to. Verse 7, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him, who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience, the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obeyed him, called by God as high priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have much to say, and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing." The writer of Hebrews so vividly says here that Jesus is made high priest. He is after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was one who said there was no beginning and no end. He, there was, he was kind of like this almost mystery priest, as it were. Jesus is our high priest. He is without beginning. He is without end. Because the book of Revelation says he is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Jesus is God. Let me say that again. Jesus is God. He is our high priest. He offered his life on the altar of the cross and reclaimed the human race by this one perfect sacrifice of peace. Hebrews 8, 6 says, we have a better covenant. In the Old Testament, they had a good covenant. Their sins were able to be covered over by the blood of the sacrifices. And it was covered over. It was atoned for. And they were set at one with God. But in Christ, who comes as the paschal lamb who comes as the one who is not just the lamb that will be sacrificed but he is the high priest because if you will remember he tells the women do not touch me before he goes in ascends back into heaven because he would take that blood not the blood of bulls and goats not the blood of the lamb but he would take the blood of his own the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat in heaven as it were that we could know forgiveness of sins and that we could be reconciled with God. So today I want you to understand this, that as we celebrate this day of Christ the King, we celebrate the victory of the cross. For many look at the cross and see it as a time of uh of defeat. It is not a sign of defeat, but it is a sign of victory because on that cross, our sins were dealt with. That God came as a man, took on the form of man, and he died. The God-man, that we could be reconciled to the Father, that we could be reconciled to the Godhead, that we could be brought back into right relationship so there is peace 
through this perfect sacrifice of peace, we are brought back together. Thanks be to God. And then we hear these words that as king, he claims dominion over all of creation, that he may present to the Almighty Father a kingdom of truth and life, a kingdom of holiness and grace, a kingdom of justice, love, and peace. Today I've come with a word for you to understand that Christ is king. He has dominion over all creation. Let's look at the words of Paul in Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read. start reading at verse 16. Colossians 1 verse 16. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him, for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in the heavens, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Christ is over all. It doesn't matter whether it's visible or invisible, principalities, powers. No matter what it is, he is over all things. In this world and in the spirit world. In the natural world and in the spirit world. There is nothing greater than Christ the King. I hear so often people say, well, the devil's after me or the devil's been doing this and the devil's doing that. And they have us almost like a devil. Uh, that their, their idea of the devil is that he's more powerful than God and that he's, more, um, he's larger than God and he's bigger than Jesus. I have news for you today on this feast of Christ the King. The devil is a defeated foe. When Jesus died on the cross, we hear that when Jesus went to Hades, it says he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he led captivity out. God, the Son, is over all things. Now, it may not look like it sometimes. I know. You may say, well, Bishop, I just, don't, I just don't understand this. How is it that Christ can be over all and he has dominion over all things and we still have evil and we still have the things that we do in our, in our earth? Well, I want you to remember, first of all, that we're free moral agents. And we have a choice. We can make choices. God's not going to impose and pressure you and take your free will away. 
we have free will. And we live in a fallen world that is being redeemed. And sometimes things happen that we don't understand. But I want to tell you today, I have brought good news to you today. In the midst of everything that you and I see around us, Christ is King and He claims dominion over all of creation. Listen to the words from Paul to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and knowledge in, the un- in him, the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the work of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly place, far above all principalities and powers and mights and dominions and every name that is named, not in this age, not only in this age, but also in the one which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul says again to the church at Ephesus, that Christ is over all. He has been seated at the right hand of the Father. One scripture says that he is seated at the, at the right hand of the Father until his enemies be made his footstool. We hear these words that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Christ is the head of all. He has dominion over all. So I want to tell you, stop giving the devil credit because he is a created being and Christ is over him. Now, the third thing we need to look at today is this, is if he has a kingdom, what is his kingdom like? You know, in the gospel reading, we heard Jesus tell Pilate that my kingdom is not of this world and it's not like this world. If the kingdom of God is not like this world, what is it supposed to be like? We heard that this kingdom is a kingdom of truth, life, holiness, grace, justice, love, and peace. And so as we begin to conclude this today, I want us to look at this. The characteristics of God's kingdom is a kingdom of truth and life. What does this mean by it's a kingdom of truth? It's that which is true. The gospel is true. 
Let me say this again. The gospel is truth. And it's truth. So this kingdom that we live in is a kingdom of truth. It's not a make-believe. It's not a fairy tale. As some would try to say, this whole thing of Christianity and the whole story of Christ is just a myth. It's just a story made up by men. I'm sorry. The truth is this, is that God came and dwelt among men and reconciled men back to God. It's not just a story. It's truth. His kingdom is a kingdom of life. The word life, there's a Greek word for life, which is called zoe, Z-O-E. It's life as God has it, or God, as God intends it. It's, some people have um, translated it, the God kind of life. It's life eternal. In Christ, we have life eternal. We have this Zoe life that lives within us because through our redemption, through the time that we are brought into faith and we are in Christ, he gives us new life. Paul says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The old has passed away. All things have become new. So this, this kingdom that we live in, is a kingdom of life. It's a kingdom of metamorphosis. It's a kingdom where all that which is old, all that which is of the world, all that which is of um, the fallen nature is transformed through Christ being priest and offering that sacrifice and us receiving that sacrifice and being in him. We become new creatures. It gives the image of the caterpillar who weaves his cocoon and then after a period of time comes out as a beautiful butterfly. He's totally changed into something that did not exist before. When you and I are in Christ, we are transformed just like that. It's a kingdom of holiness. I want to tell you today, today is a time that the church needs holiness. Now, I come out of a strict Pentecostal, fundamentalist kind of background. That was where a classical Pentecostal background, where everything that seemed like was a sin. You couldn't go to the movies. You couldn't dance. You couldn't play cards. In some places, you couldn't even drink Coca-Cola out of a bottle because it looked too much like a beer bottle, but you could drink it out of a glass. It was legalism to the max. I want to tell you, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is a piety, an inward expression where Christ changes you from the inside out. And something begins to happen. There's a, a, a work in the interior. It's your interior life where you give yourself over to Christ. And he begins to transform you and you change day by day to be more like him. I'm told of a story about Pope John Paul II that one day his secretary, um, who is now a cardinal, um, and one of the nuns that was in the, the papal household, was trying to find Pope John Paul. 
II, and they couldn't find him. They were getting concerned about him. And they went to his chapel, and laid on the floor was Pope John Paul II. He had been praying. That was a normal posture for him to lay prostrate before the altar and pray and seek the face of God. And as he gets up, they're talking to him, and the nun says, Your Holiness, we've been concerned about you. And he looks at her in only the way that Pope John Paul could could come across in that humorous way that he would say sometime, be able to say things. He looked at her and said, I'm concerned about my holiness too. You and I need to be concerned about our holiness and need to pay attention to our interior life. He says this is going to be a kingdom of grace. Grace is divine influence upon the heart. This kingdom that we're going to live in, this kingdom that we live in now, for the kingdom of God has come, is a kingdom of divine influence upon our heart. It's a kingdom of justice. It's a kingdom where that which is right is to be done, whether it be naturally, morally, or legally. We should fight for justice. But it's also a kingdom of love and peace. Love is unconditional love. In the gospel, this love that we talk about is not a love based off of what I can get from you, but it's unconditional. Just like Christ loved us, we're to love the world and love those around us. We live in a kingdom of unconditional love, and we live in a kingdom of peace. That word peace is, in the Hebrew, is a word called shalom. It's soundness. It's contentment. It means welfare. It means completeness. My wife is Jewish by heritage. She is a convert to Jesus and uh, has accepted Jesus as her Messiah many years ago. But ethnically, she is still Jewish. And many times when people will meet who are Jewish, they will look at each other and their greeting will be shalom, which means peace to you. We live in a kingdom that should be a kingdom of peace. One of the things that Pope Pius XI wanted to see happen was that it would establish peace among the nations. We know so vividly that we need peace among the nations. So much is happening. But this kingdom that we live in, in the gospel, through faith in Jesus, is not based off of the things that are natural. So I want to encourage you today to understand this, that on this feast of Christ the King, we know that he is anointed by the Father to be the priest and is offered on the altar of the cross and has redeemed the human race and that he is the King who claims dominion over all of creation, that it all belongs to him. He's over all, no matter what it is, and that we live in a kingdom and that we must 
exhibit truth, life, holiness, grace, justice, and peace. I want to encourage you to begin to pray for these characteristics to be formed in you, to be formed in me, to be formed in his church, and that we would confess and that we would believe that Christ is king over all. And this, my friend, is the good news of the gospel. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.